0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Bring the Podcats. It's still basketball season, so Eric Rubon is with me. Eric, how are you?
1: Oh, I've been better.
0: <laughs> yeah. And Kansas State is going to play uh, one of the few teams in the Big Twelve that might have an argument to be uh, kind of on the, on the same downward spiral as Kansas State right now. At TCU is so for bringing on the sports information director for TCU basketball, Stephen Show, and how are you, Stephen?
2: hey doing good guys thanks for having me back
0: yeah yeah i appreciate you coming on at least both of us are still riding that super bowl high a little bit right so we got that going <laughs> yeah
2: of course <laughs> i can't believe it i never thought that would happen i never thought that kansas city would be the cool team that has players that other people liked and never have a quarterback <laughs> like patrick mahomes i never thought that would happen so i'm still pinching myself it it's still pretty weird to see your team win the Super Bowl when, I mean, you've been through those tough losses like I have and yeah. tough teams, like tough seasons, <laughs> terrible seasons. Mm-hmm. And then it all pays mm-hmm. off. And now yeah. going forward, they have a chance to, to do it again. So,
0: Yeah. And we even got, you know, some K-State connections. Byron Pringle got on the field, made some plays. And I really thought that the Mitch Holtis calls at the, at the end of the game was, was pretty good. You know, former K-State radio guy. So it's I'm always sure you good. got a chance to hear that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The only so. bad thing
2: with him doing a lot of the, the Chiefs, well, doing the Chiefs through February is that he's not on the Big Twelve games, which we've missed yeah. him this year on the Big Twelve call. But that's fine. I, I'll take that trade off
0: any day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. So, guys, I mean, who do you think is feeling worse this week? K State fans had low expectations but probably rightfully saw Oklahoma State as the best remaining chance for a win you know it's down last place cast below that and then you have the TCU fans who you know maybe Frogs weren't favored to win in Lubbock but watched what was a 57 point swing from that first matchup to see TCU lose by 46 so who's feeling worse right now
2: I'm feeling pretty bad. I mean, I don't know. I've I've seen – okay, other places I've been before TCU. I was at USF for three years. I was at Marshall for a couple of years. I was at Louisiana Tech a couple of years. I've seen my mm-hmm. share of blowout losses. I have a lot of experience in that field, and this was just another one. It might have been my worst. I don't think I've yeah. had a 46-point loss. I've had a couple 40s, but that was a really <laughs> – Tech played so, so well. TCU played so, so poor. And they just ran us out of the building. And it's tough to play there anyways. And then on a Monday night, Tech coming off that really good comeback win over Texas. Uh, and then playing with the revenge factor, as as Coach Beard mentioned, I think it was, Sunday, about how they were looking to, to make a statement and to get back at TCU for beating them in Fort Worth. And that's what happened. And it was pretty bad. TCU did everything wrong and Tech did everything good. And that's what you get. That's the result that you get. So it'll be interesting on Saturday because, of course, TCU thinks they can win that. And I'm sure K-State thinks they can win this one too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so let's talk about, you know, how the team and maybe especially the coaches reacting, starting with Bruce. Um, Eric, you know, we've talked about Bruce is never really a guy that's great at winning the presser. But it seems like after bad losses, he's really bad. At winning the presser, um, you know, what, if how do you, how much do you think that matters for his players? Obviously, as fans, we're not super thrilled to hear Bruce say, you know, we're not tough enough, we're not, and you know, just kind of sound like making excuses a little bit.
1: I honestly don't know. I mean, at this point, if you're a player for Bruce, you've got to kind of think that that's just par for the course. Um, you know, you're not. It, it's not like he's intentionally throwing his team under the bus or anything like that. If anything, he might be just trying to light a little bit of a fire because I don't disagree with him. There is a a little bit of a lack of toughness throughout the team right now, and that's really really shown up, especially the last two games. So, uh, I mean – we all know bruce isn't the isn't the the greatest orator on the planet and nothing about what he says in a in a press conference is personally for me is is, is really going to change my opinion of him and uh, one way or the other and i would have to think that the players are around him enough to know the same yeah yeah
0: I think so. And I, I think it's probably a good thing he talks about maybe getting a little tougher on him in practice. I don't know. We'll see if I, I mean,
1: I I, I don't even know if, I don't even know where to go from here to be honest with you. Yeah. Like if I was in getting paid the big bucks in Bruce's chair, like I seriously, I don't even know what to do at this point because there's just you know the what I what I saw against Oklahoma State was a this this weird mix of just It's not really a lack of talent, but just a lack of cohesion in the talent combined with a lack of poise by the experienced players on the team and everything like that. I mean, they just, they play desperate and poorly at the same time. And it's, I mean, how do you coach someone out of that other than kind of just keep plugging away at it, I guess.
0: Right, right. And then, Steven, so on the other side, how does Jamie Dixon react? Is he the type of coach he's going to call out his players or you know, make practices harder? Or does he have a different way of handling these things?
2: He's talking about a post-game presser. He never calls out any players individually. And I know you you guys said that Bruce talked about toughness. That's something that Dixon's always said he wants. He wants a team that's tough and that values defense. And he'll... He'll talk about in press conferences what they need to get better at. And on uh, Monday, it was more of the fact of kind of what I just said. I think he said something, the fact of Texas Tech played at a very high level and TCU played at a very poor level or low level. And so there wasn't much to say after that game. And he kind of just gave all credit to Texas Tech for playing very, very well and said that we need to get better and have a game Saturday K-State. So, never calls out players, always talks about, definitely talks about getting tougher, needs to, and talks about practices need to be better, that kind of thing. He always handles press conferences very, very well.
0: Right. And based on what I know about Jamie Dixon, he was probably a lot more upset about giving up 88 points than he was about the team when it was 42, right?
2: Yeah, that's, that's been the case a lot <laughs> of times this year. It's cool because media, they always want to talk about the offense. I think that's true and. In football mm-hmm. as well, their their first to question on our side, at least basketball, why'd your team only score fifty five points? Now, what's the problem with the offense? And Coach Dixon has said before, is like we gave up seventy five. Like that's not it's not about the offense; it's about the the defense. He, he he mentioned to one of our beat writers, he said, "You you sound like the players talking about offense instead of the defense." The the because he wants a team. Kinda of like his pit teams that are kinda of get out, grind, guard, defend, and prevent the other team from scoring, and then the offense will come later. But uh that's a tough one to get through to kids these days. It seems like everyone wants to score, everyone wants those stats. You don't get a lot of defensive stats.
0: Yeah, and I imagine that's especially true, and we'll talk more about this later, but when you got such a young roster like TCU does.
2: Yeah. Yeah, really. That is tough. You're teaching them that it's not high school anymore. It's not, you know, the school that you transferred from. It's Big 12 basketball. This is what you need to be successful. Mm -hmm.
0: And so, I mean, you look at these two losing streaks and K-States has been really frustrating because the last two games are against teams that aren't that great. Iowa State, Oklahoma State. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, TCU... You know, five of the six teams. Probably, I'm not sure where Texas is. I guess, but at least four of the six are NCAA tournament teams. You know, two of them are the top three teams in the country. And Anderson, Baylor. How much is it? Is just playing tough opponents, or kind of, you know, what's gone wrong for TCU during this year? Yeah.
2: When you looked at the schedule at the end of the year, you saw what was coming, and you saw at the end it got really, really tough. So TCU starts out three and zero in conference best start ever in Big 12 mm-hmm. conference play. This is our seventh year in the Big 12. What's gone wrong? I think playing tougher teams, for sure, that hurts uh, your chances of winning, uh, especially like what you said with a young roster. TCU returns <laughs> just three guys that played last year, Desmond Bain, RJ Nimhart, Kevin Samuel. Granted, you have a really good guard and a really good big in Bain and Samuel. And then you have a uh, three freshmen that are playing a lot and then mm-hmm. two grad transfers mm-hmm. those grad transfers are from george mason and texas arlington yeah.
0: not high pretty big school. step up
2: yeah it's a big step up and that's been kind of the learning curve there is you got to grow up real quick in the conference and some of those guys really haven't they've been trying to get more out of a lot of them especially the freshmen so yeah I don't know. We lost six in a row, but like you said, there's some really good teams there at Oklahoma State. It was a loss, but that's a team that everyone thought was going to be better, and they have a yeah, lot of guys.
0: And they were there. really hungry with no conference wins at that point, I'm sure.
2: Yeah, they are. Yeah. That's that's a real mystery. I'm really surprised that Oklahoma State's not better. I think that coach is really good, but maybe they're just waiting on Kate Cunningham for next year. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's a tough stretch for TCU. It continues with uh, well, K-State Saturday and then at Texas. And Texas got TCU at home. And then we have remaining home games with West Virginia, Baylor, and Oklahoma. And still mm-hmm. have to go to Kansas, to Iowa State.
0: Yeah, well, most of our listeners just tough. laughed when you said a tough stretch continues with K-State, but uh, we appreciate <laughs> that. <laughs>
2: well, yeah, sure. Maybe if you're TCU fan, looking at the schedule and, like, this is the one we're going to get. Uh, uh-huh. But then yeah. that's why you play the game and <laughs> you haven't had anything easy in a while. So definitely can't count that as easy.
0: Yeah, yeah. But then K
2: State's thinking the same thing. K State's thinking that this is the one they're gonna get.
0: Yeah, yeah. It is that's an, a stretch. In, yeah, yeah, it is <laughs> Fort Worth. I don't I don't know. If we think this team can beat anyone on the road right now. <laughs> but so one thing we've talked about with Kansas State is, you know, they lost so much scoring. And I think at the beginning of the season, we expected some of the role guys, especially Xavier Sneed and Cardi jada just to step into those big scoring roles. And turns out that's not so easy. TCU, like you said, at least brought back Bain, but that was about it. I mean, are there other guys that are, are maybe having trouble making that jump to go like higher usage?
2: Yeah, just to go into some specifics here with yeah, I mean, it Rodgers. seems like like
0: yeah, like RJ Nembhard and Kevin Samuel are shooting a lot more, and uh, you know, as you might expect, their they efficiency are. has maybe gone down a little bit.
2: Yeah, the thing with the TCU team, like the chemistry is great. the The chemistry is there. Everyone knows Desmond Bain's the man. He's going to be the leading scorer. We knew that going into the season. So that kind of keeps everyone's egos at check. The person who's going to lead the team in scoring is Desmond Bain. Everyone knows that. And then you have RJ Nimhard. He shoots a lot of shots. He's been our second leading scorer this year. And then Kevin Samuel, who's really good big, uh, very efficient from the field. He shot more this year. He probably should, should be shooting more, just a matter of getting him the ball in the paint. And then he's been going against a lot of good bigs lately. Azubuki kind of shut him down on offense. He was zero for one. And I think he was something mm-hmm. like that against Texas Tech. And so he's had some trouble against some of the, the bigger guys in the conference. But he's always there on the defensive side, averaging about nine rebounds and then about three blocks a game. But then you look at the roster, or the stats even, and then you have three freshmen that have played a lot of minutes this year in Francisco Farabello a kid from Argentina who has a lot of international minutes under him he's always played for the Argentinian uh, national team like the U18 mm-hmm. U17 PJ Fuller top 100 kid right
0: um, and he had offers from Arizona points. Florida Washington schools like that it was so a big gift it was hit. a big yeah. gift
2: for TCU when we got him and so they need they need mm-hmm. some more out of him and then Deontay Smith is a kid that coach Dixon really liked coming out of our summer workout and he was one of our best players in our two secret scrimmages Uh, we don't have the exhibitions we just do the scrimmages we scrimmaged Mississippi State and Washington and won both of those and he was really really good and then um, started the first game of the year got hurt missed a week and then just kind of I don't know if he's lost it from that but he just hasn't progressed as well as they want and so he hasn't He's been getting back into the rotation lately. He'll probably start Saturday. He started on Monday against Tech. So, those mm-hmm. three guys, those three young freshmen, are, are guys that they're trying to get more out of. And our two grad transfers, too. Um, yeah. But but the freshmen, obviously, you're thinking about the future and getting them experience.
0: Right. And so, K State's seen that a lot. Got three freshmen who have been in the starting lineup, even at, at various points. And, yeah. Eric, wouldn't you agree that, that, that there's been flashes of potential, but. They're also still freshmen yeah absolutely
1: I, I think we they they've all gone through st- stretches where they showed what they're capable of um, even as freshmen but uh, you hit the nail on the head they're freshmen and they're not the five star freshmen that go to Duke or uh, that <laughs> university down the river or let's put it this way they' they're not freshmen that you pay to get to come to your school
2: <laughs>
1: so they're not going to so they're not going to uh they're they're not going to step in and be massive contributors from Day one, I, I'm excited about what I see from the Gordons and from uh, from Montavious Murphy. But uh, yeah, they're going to have cold nights, and unfortunately, this this team is not in a position where they can afford to do that. And that's one of the reasons why you I think you're seeing a lot of struggles this year is you just you don't have a you don't have a, a good collection of players that can bring it every night.
0: Mm-hmm. And there was there was one play in TCU that stands out from last night that I saw and. In... You know, I, I, I I'll single out Dwan Gordon, DeJuan Gordon. So let me say that he's been probably the best of the free. He's been really good most of the time, but it was late in the game, and he was on a closeout, and he came out way too hard. Lindy Waters did the pump fake and hit a pretty big three, and that was just one of those where. It seems like, you know, he'll learn to handle that situation better.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you think about where these guys are coming from, they've they've never had to play defense as hard as Bruce is wanting them to play defense right now. And there's a lot of nuance and a lot of technique that goes into playing defense uh, in a fashion that allows you to play as hard as Bruce wants you to play. And, you know, just you hit it it right on the head as far as just something as simple as sounding as closing out on a three-point shooter if you don't do it right at the division 1 level you're going to get burnt every single time and it's uh you know he's just got to learn how to do that properly
0: mm-hmm. of course the silver lining there is obviously you know the way he handled it shows a lot of effort there's no questioning that for sure
1: yeah absolutely there's there's that's the one thing out of the freshmen that I think that that, that encourages me the most is none of the three freshmen play lazy You know the errors they make are errors of of commission as opposed to omission. Um, You you guys might have heard that on various telecasts or 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 broadcasts or that sort of thing. You know, I and and I'm a I'm a player. I'm a I'm a fan. I'm a a, when I watch players play, I am completely okay with someone making mistakes because they're trying hard and just made a mistake. It's the lazy stuff that really just gets under gets under my skin, personally. The kind of stuff that uh, there's just really no excuse for.
0: Yeah. yeah. So would you say, Stephen, that there's been some of that for TCU as well, And the young guys? Uh, the effort's been there throughout the whole season.
2: You just kind of wait for some of the skills to develop of these younger guys. But the effort there, the attitude there, so they're trying I mean, hard. I just don't know if what Coach is saying is getting through to them. That's yeah. the only thing that I question. I I, I watch practice pretty often and yeah. uh you know, coach will get on about something and teach him something and then you see a mistake made later in practice or in a game that he's already corrected. And so yeah. then you have a coach who's frustrated because he keeps repeating himself and doesn't know how to get the message through. That's the biggest yeah. thing that we see. Yeah.
0: I mean, is it easy to see like the why why a guy like PJ Fuller was a top one hundred recruit? Did you see that? Yeah, flashes? he's
2: a crazy athletic. Um yeah. I think that's a lot of what gives recruit a high ranking or the four or five stars is their athletic ability. I really think that's a lot of it. Yeah, um, and he's very explosive. He's very fast. I think he's a smart player too. It's just if a lot of it hasn't shown up in a game, you'll, you'll watch him in practice, and then, um, but then when you when you when you go to a game and you're playing against the other team and playing against Big Twelve competition. You'll need to make that step,
0: yeah. And so, when I looked at TCU's roster, it was actually kind of confusing because I feel like there's a lot more guys listed on there that are sitting on oh, the bench. There is, Luke. there is a lot of guys, so, <laughs> I, mean, I, I counted year. 11 freshmen, like,
2: yeah, yeah, it is, it's nuts. It is 11 <laughs> freshmen, so we have 20 people on our roster. Last year, I'm take back to last year when uh, we had. Five players enter the transfer portal and leave. We got into spring and March, February, March. We played in April last year because we made the uh, NIT semifinals. We played until April 2nd. This has never happened before at TCU.
0: Didn't you guys win the NIT We didn't have enough
2: guys to practice. We did, but with the way the Final Four was set up last year and the NIT is around the Final Four, it was a week later. So okay. yeah, TCU did win the NIT um, in 2017, but didn't. It was like March 30th. It wasn't quite April. Okay. But anyways, TCU ran out of practice players. They ran out of guys. They couldn't uh-huh. go five on five last year. Like mm-hmm. we had a, I don't know what was compliant if it was because that rules kind of changed. If we had some m- managers that played as players or GAs played. As players. I players. You I can remember. you can play a little bit.
0: Did anybody ask you to suit up?
2: Oh, Luke, I haven't <laughs> shot a ball in a year, but you never lose that. You never yeah. lose the ability to shoot. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, so I don't think Coach liked that at all. He was really frustrated. He couldn't go five on five in practice. So yeah. we loaded up on a bunch of walk-ons. So we added um, what's our total walk-on number like seven. Oh yeah, that'd be right. Thirteen scholarship guys and seven walk ons. Wow. That makes twenty. Yeah, so a lot of these guys that we have are there for practice and they don't suit up. Like most of them don't. We have a few guys that are pretty good players. I mean they all can play, they can all practice. But there's yeah. about five guys that don't even suit up. So we hmm. we suit up fifteen because that's how many you can put in the book.
0: Yeah. So I mean are the walk ons, like are they preferred walk ons or are they guys that tried out and like pulled off the intramural courts? Right.
2: No. Nothing. Okay. Nothing like that. No tryout. Okay. Um, no
0: Jarrett Sutton type guys.
2: <laughs> most of them have some sort of connection. Either they reached out like through uh, one of our players or one of our coaches, or dad is an alum or something like that. You know, where there's some sort of connection to the program, some guy you need to take care of, like a lot of programs do.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay.
2: Okay. yeah it's really interesting i get that question uh about every week when the <laughs> SID asks for um the actual roster for right. the game because they're not going to put 20 <laughs> players down on a flip card because that's just a waste yeah. of time and uh takes up too much time
0: yeah yeah okay yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, I guess Eric. You know, um, we we've talked a lot about guys who potentially might be transferring out at the end of the year. I guess it's, I suppose it's a plus that they're at least sticking around and not leaving the team short for practice. Right?
1: That's that's true. I don't think things are that bad from a morale standpoint or anything like that. Yeah. Um, you know, I think if you were gonna if you were going to pick on one person right now that fits. Uh, well, I guess if I look up and down our roster, there's really two people right now that kind of fit that mold. One would be Nigel Shad. And the other one, strangely enough, is Cardi Jada. And I don't think yeah. that things are bad enough for him to be looking for someplace else to go midseason at this point. Yeah. I would not be shocked if he is not on the roster next year. Um, You know, we've got the seniors graduating with X and and Mac and Pearson, but uh, cartier Jada does, from what I've heard, is supposedly set to graduate this spring and uh, Mm -hmm. he would still have one year of eligibility left. So there's thoughts that he may go try the professional route somewhere next year or potentially look at a grad transfer. But uh, I would, like I said, I would not be shocked if he's not on the team next year.
0: Yeah. And of course, I think most people know, but the grad transfer means that he would be able to play right away. Wouldn't have to set out a year. Right. Um, and so, yeah, speaking of Cartier, though, it, it's been interesting to watch how this whole friend for Sheila thing has played out. Stephen, I don't know if you're, you've are you been following this at all. No, uh, tell me. Um, during the uh, let's see, what, what game, what would have been the Baylor game or was it the Iowa State game?
1: I th- man, what, uh, I think it was the Baylor game.
0: Yeah, during the Baylor game, Fran uh, said something to the effect of Cartier is wasting his talent. He's just not playing hard enough. You know, he's And inevitably, this got back to Cartier. And he said, no, that's that's nonsense. It's uh, that's totally false. But yeah, then it was the next game against Iowa State. He came out and had maybe his best game of the year. And so then people are saying, oh, he was motivated by, by Fran's comments and all this. I don't know. It almost makes you wonder, maybe somebody on Bruce's staff planted that with Fran, told him to say that? I don't know. I don't know. Ask <laughs> he Fran. Been, well,
2: yeah. <laughs> he he could have made a comment to Fran. I mean, that's, that mm-hmm. might have been where it comes from. Rarely does, is he going to just say something just to say it. I'm right. sure he must have heard it from someone on staff and decided to use it in the broadcast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that's interesting. So they I mean, the hint that he might transfer. Is that what he was hinting at? Um, no, no, was, no
0: friend, was, that, yeah. that had been talked about before.
1: Yeah, it was kind of. Uh, it was. It was kind of just. Uh, it was. I won't say an offhanded comment because it was a pointed comment, but it was kind of it was more along the lines of just watching Cartier out on the floor play. It doesn't look like he's enjoying playing and that he's not hes not mentally engaged. That he's, he looks like he's kind of checked out and that sort of thing was the, was the nature of the comment. To be a hundred percent honest with you, watching these games and especially watching the couple of games leading up to that point, you had seen Cartier pulled from the starting lineup and coming off the bench and You know, I'm not going to disagree with Fran's assessment. I obviously don't know enough about what's going on in the locker room and what's going on on at practice and that sort of thing to, you know, really know what the full story is or anything like that. But he went through a stretch of a handful of games there where I was watching him and like, does he even want to be here right now? So I, I mean, should you be calling out a player for that kind of stuff during a broadcast? That's debatable. I won't say that I necessarily had an issue with the material, but I think that he kind of brute forced instrument instrument his way through it. He could have probably had a little bit more tact in the way he the the way he brought that uh, that that idea up. Um,
0: yeah, and but- honestly, I think at least from my perspective, it was if it was somebody less respected than Fran Frischilla, then there would have been a lot more people upset about it.
1: Yeah, I would say that, and 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 honestly, I think the reason it really even got any any traction at all with Fran is because I think that, uh, uh you know, it's Fran, um, <laughs> and, and people have their opinions of him and everything like that. So, and and that was it was really just more of a, pro, uh, a a projection of people's opinions on him as opposed to really taking issues with specifically what he said.
0: Yeah, and then of course, uh, unfortunately, the. Um... Conclusion of that story for now is that anyone who thought that Cartier was going to suddenly turn over a new leaf and become an amazing player was sorely disappointed last night when he kind of of making some great plays, but also a lot of turnovers. And just kind of who he is at this point.
1: Yeah, and that that kind of goes into that just feeling of desperation and lack of poise that we that that we're getting from all the seniors. Like X was he was. I would say more apt to just be rushing things and forcing things and that sort of thing. That that sort of mentality than previously this season. You know, Cartier was going back to his uh, the the form that we have seen him more often than not, where he either makes a good play or he makes a bad play. There's very little in between. I, I don't know if him and uh, if him and Mac are roommates or what, because Mac also seems to be a I, he either makes a good play or a bad play. So it, it it was. I'm. I don't know where I'm at with Jada right now, and uh, or frankly, all of the seniors because X and, and Mac. They're they're good players, but they're not. I, I just don't see them as leaders, and I and that's what this team sorely needs right now.
0: Yeah, yeah. And we're gonna take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. We're back. So Stephen Eric was just talking about leaders. I mean, I guess Desmond Bain is is obviously. The leader for TCU, but is there anybody else that kind of steps up in the locker room or talks lot, takes that leadership role on the court?
2: Yeah, yeah, you're right. Desmond Bain is the unquestioned leader for this team. Uh, he's been here the longest. He's going to leave TCU all over the record books and the winningest player ever in program history. And then you have Kevin Samuel. He's become way more vocal. He's the guy who was really, really quiet his previous two years. He's a redshirt sophomore. So he's been around for this is his third year, but he's been become a vocal leader too. Uh, and someone that Dixon can turn to and to get the guys going. But I can tell you that probably the person that TCU misses the most is Alex Robinson from last year mm-hmm. to have a senior point yeah. guard like that. That's what the team probably needs is someone that can really control the game, handle the ball and distribute. So that's probably the one that they're, that they're missing the most is is a guy like that but talking about leadership Desmond Bain has all the qualities and it's definitely his team
0: it's just I think you're missing that that senior point guard yeah and so I mean you brought in a couple of senior guards but you guess you never really know who that how those transfers are gonna fit in you know how are Jair yeah. Greer and Edric Dennis how are those guys kind of fitting in chemistry wise for this team Yeah, the chemistry is
2: good. Both those guys gelled immediately when they came here in the summer. Uh, Edric Dennis is probably the most vocal person on the team. So if you're looking for another leader, I guess that would be one, just because he talks Mm -hmm. the most. You know, when coaches say, talk, talk, like he's the one talking in practice. And um, we kind of rotated between Francisco Ferrabello, the freshman, and Edric Dennis, the senior, the graduate transfer. Edric is more of a shoot. First guard and Francisco Farabello is definitely a pass first, pass second, then shoot third. If I have a couple seconds to shoot, type of guard. So Ed Ed had a really good non-conference. He just hasn't got it going in conference. He did. He had some really good games, made a lot of threes, had multiple double-digit scoring games in non-conference, but conference he hasn't really adjusted that well. And Jair Greyer, the guy who scored over a thousand points at George Mason. His dad, Jeff Grayer, is the all-time leading scorer at Iowa State. He played in the NBA for a few years, so he has that basketball pedigree. He's an awesome kid. He had really good years at George Mason. Came here. He started most games. Again, had a really good non-conference and hasn't really got it going in conference play. And we're kind of missing that. Uh yeah. we're missing that four spot. We don't have a solid four. So Deontay Smith sometimes comes in and plays the four and then you have the veteran Jair Grayer that comes in and plays the four. And Coach is trying to find uh any sort of rotations that, that can produce more points than what we're what we're doing right now.
0: Okay. So Grayer's listed at six five. You must be going fairly small to put him at the four. Correct.
2: So we have Good. another big on the roster. We haven't mentioned Jaden Ladee. He's a transfer from Ohio State. He got immediately eligible this year. And he's the big that goes against Kevin Samuel in practice. Uh, mm-hmm. They have not yet played Samuel and Ladee together. It's more of Ladee backing up Samuel at the five. So yes, they are kind of going small at the four uh, with Smith and a War Greger. So. Yeah. But like I said, in the on conference, it was kind of good because Grayer would step out and shoot the three, make the three. He was up there in the big twelve conference leaders and three pointers made per game. I think it was like two and a half threes per game, and that numbers just dwindled as the big twelve seasons got on,
0: yeah, yeah, so I guess you know looking forward uh for Kansas State, we've kind of been talking the last couple weeks, so maybe <laughs> let's just get up to Bruce's. Worst season of five wins at this point, that almost feels like a reach. (laughs) Uh, But, I mean, TCU's still uh, hovering around five hundred, right? they got a decent record. Yep. Is the NIT still a realistic goal for this team, you think? Well, right
2: now, the initial goal is to not play on that Wednesday in Kansas City, is to get out of the bottom four, which is still possible with TCU with four conference wins because they're right there tied with Texas. So it's kind of it's going to be probably between Texas and TCU to get out of the 7th spot and move into the 6th spot and avoid playing on Wednesday the first round in the conference tournament. But yeah, yeah. TCU 13-11. I believe I I was sure look this up. I believe you have to have a winning record in the NIT now.
0: Right. Yeah, that's correct.
2: So I don't know. The possibility is there to be under 500. It's also there to be over 500 if they can figure things out what it could happen though is that this could be Jamie Dixon's worst season as a head coach and i just did not think that would happen in his fourth year you see yeah. so uh he's only had he's, he's coached for 17 years and he's had 20 wins or more in all but one of those seasons one of the seasons he had wow. 19 wins otherwise they've all been 20 win seasons and right now you're looking at a record of 13 and 11 with what ten games to go, nine games to go?
0: Yeah well now, so now I want to look up Bruce's first record. Let's see. yeah, that's a really good
1: question. I don't know where yeah. th- this has to be amongst Bruce's worst seasons ever.
0: yeah, actually, um, so this is interesting. The year that Bruce went conference, he still ended up with a better overall record than the previous year when he was eight and ten in conference. Because he had a really terrible non-conference, twenty fourteen, fifteen. When they mm-hmm. went with fifteen and seventeen, of course, that was the year where it all fell apart with Marcus Foster and everybody. Right. So yeah, I'm kind of surprised he didn't have. I guess there was a sixteen, nineteen, sixteen and nineteen year at Illinois. So that's roughly the same.
1: But, sixteen and nineteen.
0: Yeah. So I'm not well, sure what's the higher percentage there, sixteen and nineteen or fifteen and seventeen.
1: I can tell you that we are not getting to 15-17 and 17 or
0: 16-19. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't think. What do you think of five conference wins, though? Is that
1: reachable? Uh, 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 oh, oh. I can tell you that it's possible, but it's going to take a near miracle because just looking at the schedule down the stretch here, we've got at TCU, of course, at yeah. Texas Tech, at home against Texas, at Baylor, home against KU, at Oklahoma State, and home against Iowa State. You know, if I'm if I'm just sitting there saying that, okay, so to get to what, three more or so we need three three more wins.
0: wins.
1: Yeah. I'm looking at Saturday. I'm looking home at Texas. I'm looking at Oklahoma State. I'm looking home at home against Iowa State. Mm, You know, I'm not I'm not a firm believer in this week or this Saturday. I'm not a firm believer on going on the road at Oklahoma
0: State. And then Texas is one of those teams that you never know what you're going to get. With them, <laughs> no, but yeah. Their ceiling they're is really high. They're playing better lately. So, they're yeah. playing
2: better lately. Iowa State's going to be done without Halliburton. Right. Um, you would think so. They could they could go down real quick. You
1: know, so, not- yeah, I mean, uh, do, are, do we get to three more wins out of that? Uh, if someone was asking me to put money on the table, I'm not doing it.
0: Yeah. So, Steve, yeah, Steven, you might appreciate we had an Iowa State guy on last week, and he was trying to—I think mostly trying to convince himself that maybe Tyrese Halliburton would stay another year. But I don't know. I don't see why he would. He's do projected
2: that. lottery pick, I believe.
1: Even yeah. Even with even right. with the injury, they they think he's still going to go yeah. top five.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's no way he pass that up.
2: Well, here's the thing that uh, the SID spin that I can give for TCU. You know, we were picked tenth. So if we right. don't finish tenth. There we go. There's some <laughs> positive some positive notes go. from the communications PR side of things. <laughs> yeah. It's and, it's
1: funny that you brought that up that TCU was picked 10th because I'm thinking back to were we talking with Kellis after the bowl game or no, when was it? Uh it was uh oh what football game was it that we won? Oh, it was the Oklahoma game. Yeah. Uh so it was right after the Oklahoma game we had the podcast and I think it, we had Kellis on. And we were talking, and it, or the coaches' uh, mm-hmm. uh, poll for the Big Twelve just came out, and it had K State ninth. And we were talking about, you know, come on now, like seriously, yeah, go yeah, from first yeah. to ninth, and, yeah. uh-huh. and and you know, we were the the folly, the folly, of not knowing any better. You know, we we're sitting there talking. Yeah, yeah, I can see us finishing as high as fourth in the conference this year, <laughs> yeah. and now we're now we're like struggling to get to four wins. Yeah, it is, I mean, man, the – to be honest with you how bad we've played to this point has really even even considering how bad we were probably going to be if you took off the purple glasses I, this is kind of out of left field like I'm yeah. I'm really in shock that we're this bad
0: and it's in a year where I mean I think the top of the conference is as good as it's been in a while but as far as the middle it's not that great
1: comparatively
0: no, no. Kinda of weird. So I guess just looking forward, you know, um the the silver lining right now for us as K State fans, Stephen, is uh, Bruce has arguably his most highly touted recruiting class coming in for next season. Like we said, you get the freshmen add to that. So there is some promise for the future. You know, what about the TCU future? I think in like the the guys that are already there are kind of the core for this team, or do they have some freshmen they're gonna be relying on a lot next season too? Some freshmen incoming freshmen. Yeah, so
2: so the three freshmen I already mentioned, uh, you expect mm-hmm. – I mean, this is – okay, this is the world we live in. Maybe some guys transfer. I'm not expecting that right. at all. I'm expecting all these guys right. to come back. Let's act like they are. Okay. So you have those three freshmen. They'll be back as sophomores with a whole bunch of experience as freshmen. Great. Then we have this guard, Taryn Todd, who is uh, – he was high school teammates with P.J. Fuller in Nevada last year. Okay, and uh, at elite prep school, right? Yes, at Finley Prep. Yeah. So they redshirted him. They also redshirted a lengthy freshman named Mickey Pearson, who is from Alabama and went to prep school at Hargrave Military. So they have those two. And they also have this one guy that they're really excited about, Kevin Easley, who played as a freshman at Chattanooga. He was Mm -hmm. the SOCON Freshman of the Year and he'll be really good. He's kind of like a wing-type player or maybe a four. So they have those guys, and they're all on the roster now. Then Mm -hmm. you bring in some other people that we signed, a kid named Taryn Frank out of California, who's probably our best recruit, or at least our highly ranked recruit. He's pretty good. He'll be a big. And uh, Eddie Lampkin is another kid out of Texas who's a – gosh, He's almost. he's probably 300 pounds. He's a big guy. Big, big dude. So he's coming in. Yeah. And then a guy named Mike Miles, who's a guard from Lancaster, so around the Dallas area. Okay. And then we also got Charles O'Bannon Jr. So that's Charles O'Bannon's son. Really? Um, um, Yeah, from the O'Bannon, yeah. Ed O'Bannon's nephew. And he's on the roster now. He came uh, as a transfer from USC. He was a former five-star recruit out of high school, uh, but Hmm. that was two years ago. So he is on the team now. He is practicing. Uh, Of course, can't play until the spring semester. Yeah. So we have a bunch of guys coming back, but you'll lose Desmond Bain. Hopefully not Kevin Samuel. Hopefully he comes back. And then RJ Nimhard will be back too. Um, Okay. But lose Bain, lose the two grad transfers. So you would think you would have a good nucleus of guys coming back next year. Yeah. Um but the transfer portal. Yeah. I don't so know. Hopefully... Like it got us last year. And that's what I'm saying. I got us last year. Now the attitudes are good this year, but that really kind of uh deflated last year's team. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So hopefully this is a much more upbeat podcast next year. <laughs> <Hopefully>. <laughs>
2: oh man, I hope so guys. Yeah. So
0: tough. actually it's... I gotta Ask, cause I, I This is kind of a tangent, but you're talking about the transfer portal. So do you guys think it's, it's hypocritical that a guy like Mel Tucker talks about, you know, college players shouldn't be transferring so much? And then he does this thing where he's going to his third school in three years and, you know, he committed. He said he was committed to Colorado and then three days later he goes to Michigan State. What's your take on that? Uh, I think it is
2: okay. Even though players nowadays have more freedom than they did five years ago, they they get and they they get more things. They have the cost of attendance. They're getting money. They have the transfer portal, which helps them make it known that they want to transfer. Waivers get written very often for kids to get immediately eligible, even though they arrive at a school having to sit a season. Mm-hmm. Uh, that happens. Very often it, happen, it happened uh, with us this year with Jaden Uh the Ohio State transfer. But, yeah, it's, it's not fair to the kids who aren't getting paid millions of dollars that they are then kind of stuck with a coach that they didn't sign up to play for. But, again, you sign with the school and yeah. not the coach. But everyone <laughs> has – you recruit guys. You get guys to come to your school because you have that relationship. So that happens. Right. Yeah, you, know, you see that even when assistant coaches leave because the guys are attached to that assistant coach and not the yeah. head coach sometimes. So yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah, I I also think that it's pretty hypocritical, you know, yeah. without getting too too far off into the weeds. I personally think that players should have the right to transfer. Because of exactly what you said, the the pragmatism is that the the school didn't do the recruiting, the coaching staff did. The the players Mm -hmm. want to go play for that coaching staff, not necessarily for that school. That's not true 100% of the time, but... In most cases, it is, and if something changes to where that the, that player is not playing or is would not be playing for that coach anymore, I think they should have the the right to to transfer and everything like that. Personally, i I think it's I think it's hypocritical, but at the same time, I think it's absurd because I personally value loyalty and 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 sticking things out and that kind of stuff very highly. So, you know, I, I think it's absurd to see these coaches you know moving around like they do and everything like that. Like you know, see your job through, and then when you're when your contract's up then if you want if you think it's right to move on, go for it, but you know it's what like Mel Tucker did was i mean that's just it, I keep using that word it it's absurd,
0: yeah, yeah well and, and speaking of loyalty, I mean stephen, you've been at t c u for a little while now, you must be <laughs> enjoying it there three
2: years and two months, I think that the longest I've been at a place, which is which is impressive for me I usually take the next best job. I I like it a lot. I like (laughs) Fort Worth a lot. I like TCU. I like the basketball staff. I like the players. It's it's really great. I get to be again, five hours from a a short drive up 35 to Kansas, to Winfield. So have no complaints. I have enough good weather to go golfing. It's great. I can't
0: complain too much.
2: Yeah. I like it a lot. Thanks for the, thanks for the notice that I've been here a while. (laughs) <laughs> we can do this
0: next year yeah yeah i mean it's about about the same amount of time i've been on washington now actually i think we yeah. moved about the same yeah. time
2: no? yeah and before that we were
0: moving a lot that's right that's right so good for us <laughs> yeah. uh, all right well i suppose we should let you go always enjoy it thanks for coming on
2: yeah absolutely let's, yeah. let's do it next year
0: yeah for sure thanks eric so, yeah, yeah. The so, there